It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover. We'll talk big fish on the big pond. Steve Stepaniak is out on Mille Lacs. He's got the latest out there. We'll talk North and South Dakota pheasants. Mandy Eric is back to talk some more fall fishing. And the latest up north on grouse, goose, and ducks with Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service, plus another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby. Keep your garage space clear this winter and store your boat at Oars and Mine and Crosby. Their facility is a four-season destination for all the toys that don't fit in your garage. That's Oars and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. Let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. Steve has been very busy on the big pond. And when I say busy, not only just fishing, Steve, but uh, you've been pulling a few fish into the boat, it seems. You know, uh, the good Lord has smiled on us a few times here the last week. Yeah, we got one Sunday, 54 inches, well over 40 pounds. And I'm with a young gentleman from Brainerd area, Philip Yeh. Philip is a great fisherman, and over the years we've become good friends. He uh, boated a four-footer this morning, you know, and a lot of the fish we're catching, Brian, i got to be honest with you, are near, are right by the major times of the day, you know, the majors and the minors. So, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a great time. Uh, the wind is terrible. Yep, as long as the fish bite, we can live with that. So it's safe to say, Steve, are we into the prime time for muskie anglers now? Definitely. This is the prime time from now until the next moon phase of uh, November, which I'll be deer hunting. I'm not going to be fishing. <laughs> it's all prime time. The muskies are in full swing. They're on the rock piles. They're in the wheat beds. You know, they're going, they're chasing plastics. They're chasing spinner baits, Brian, crankbaits, uh, jerk baits. You know, this is a good time of year. One thing I've noticed, though, with, uh, with you know, the way we've been fishing is we have not been going fast with our presentation. We've been taking it slow, and that has seemed to be the ticket for us to get these fish boated. So it's been working out pretty good. It's it's not this uh, slower presentation like we're doing right now. Usually it's a little bit quicker presentation. But you take a look, Brian, you know, we've lost like uh, 10 degrees in like a 7-8 day period of water temperature. That's sort of... Uh, put them in a slump there for quite a while, you know, a good week and a half, and they're finally coming around the last, you know, about a week and a half, week, I should say, and uh, they like slow. It's been slower even a minute once in a while. And that 54-incher that you said you boated uh, this past Sunday, tell me the story on that. Well, I had a couple uh, brothers and their dad. Uh, the one brother that caught the fish is from the state of Missouri, and the father and son, uh, they're from over by Sioux Falls. And I had them Saturday and Sunday. Saturday was terrible. We had snow. We had everything coming down. Sunday, a little bit better day, and we're working around this great big weed bed. Had a 20-inch sucker middle, and we were talking, and we decided, well, we're going to move to another spot. And we turn around, the bobber just goes down, and uh, we let that fish take it for a while, set the hook, and what a rush. This fish was pro- was the largest the largest to date in my boat this year. It definitely is the heaviest and the largest. So, yeah, we were definitely excited. The gentleman who caught it, he played it perfectly. 
he was thrilled as can be. It was his first muskie trip and his first muskie. And I told him, I said, you know, you're spoiled from here on in. <laughs> well, that's for sure. I'm sure li- literally he's hooked from here on out. Yes, yes, literally hooked is going to be it. He's talking about coming up next year and everything. And his dad made a comment, which was really nice to hear. He said, you know, he said, three of us muskie fishing in the boat. He said, it's it's really a team effort. I said, I'm glad you realize that because, you know, everybody's running around doing this, doing that, trying to get things you know, out of the way and make room and everything. You play a fish that big, it's chaotic. And you said he, you, he caught it on a, on a sucker minnow, Steve. Were you guys all going with that? Because you've always stressed to uh, have everybody do something a little different. Uh, that was the only minnow we had out. The other three gentlemen uh, were casting, and, you know, with me being running the trolling motor, that was legal for me, and when the minnow went down, they decided who was going to take it. Everybody wound in real quick, and, you know, it was game on after that. But, yes, we have uh, different presentations. We had uh, spinner baits going, Brian. We had a crankbait going, and we had a uh, smaller-type jerkbait going besides the minnow. So everybody had a different presentation. It was tough. You know, lately the minnows have been producing real well for us. So we've got three majors. we got one that started at 8. we got one, is, which is called the Zenith. That's the best. It's coming up here a little after 1 o'clock. And then the next one is this evening. Well, the major is when all game animals and fish get most active. It's something to do with the solar lunar gravitational pole in conjunction with the Earth's atmosphere and stuff. Uh, best way I can describe it to everybody is take a look at the tides on the ocean. You know, same sort of stuff happens with the majors. The major is the best time of day to fish or evening to fish, and then the minor is going to be your next one, which is probably the least most effective. If you can follow these majors and minors, it's excellent. I've got an app on my phone. It's, a, it's the major, minor, solar, lunar tables and stuff, and today it's rated at 96% excellent. And then three, four days ago it was only at 15% poor. So that tells you how much and how quick it can happen. There you go. Uh, something else we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show. It seems like some pre- pretty big pike are being boated out there on the Lacs, too. It, they are. You know, this is their time. Of, you know, new world record, our Minnesota state record for our young gal in the catch and release division. I talked to a good friend of mine yesterday who's on the Muskie and Pike Alliance, and they started this catch and release division, which is fantastic. Her northern was 43 and a half, so from here on in, anybody catches a big pike or a muskie or something, get a good picture of it on a measuring board, get the good girth, and get a good length and enter it. You may be holding the new state record uh, release fish, so that's pretty nice. Right now, the mus- uh, big pike are going on jerk baits, Brian, on Malax Lake, and they're going on spinner baits. You can't beat spinnerbaits this time of year. The big rock piles will have them, as well as the weed beds will have them. Right now, the big pike, like the muskies, have moved in to put on the feed bag, getting ready for fall, which is nice. As you know, unlike a muskie that only eats once every two to three days, a northern pike will eat every day. So, yeah, it's a great time to catch a trophy of a lifetime as far as pike go. And one last thing, obviously, walleye fishing can be really, really good on Malax. Are you seeing some anglers out there, you know, catching some fish, Steve? Oh, definitely. You know, that full moon phase, Brian, and everything, night trolling with husky jerks, number 10s or 12s, has been productive as can be. In fishermen used to do all their uh, shows in October, the full moon, October walleye bite on the Lax Lake. A lot of people didn't know it. They did it for many years there. In fact, I know exactly where they did it, but I'm going to sort of keep that one quiet to myself. But definitely, follow, get out there at night, troll around the rock reefs and everything. You're going to have a blast. Husky jerks is the way to go, without a doubt, Arapalos. You know, Shad Rap would even work great, too. There you go. Steve Spaniak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. I appreciate the info as always, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. 
As we continue on here with Brainerd Outdoors, want to get a little bit of a gauge on uh, South Dakota and North Dakota pheasants. I know there's a lot of hunters that head out that way. We had the uh, Minnesota pheasant opener, I believe, last weekend. Jeff Hilborn joins us, a contributor to Brainerd Outdoors. Just spent a little time about a week ago out in South Dakota. Jeff, how was that? Yeah, you know, it was surprisingly we had a, we had a good hunt. Uh, we were on some nice land with uh, food plots and uh, cover, and uh, obviously crops are still in the field. Uh, they were uh, harvesting uh, beans pretty aggressively while we were out there. Corn obviously has not been touched. And that always makes a difference. But the bird seems to be, uh, the bird count was good and and uh, there seemed to be plenty of hunters out for opener as you would expect in South Dakota. So uh, it, it was a good weekend. We got good birds. So, wet, wet, dry out there? You know, it, I, we went around the Mitchell area and it was very wet. I was really surprised at how wet and how green uh, things were at this time of year out there. But uh, uh, I talked to another uh, uh, hunter that went a little bit further south, a little bit further west, and he talked about how dry it was there. So uh, I think it's very spotty throughout the state, but uh, uh, seemed to be uh, birds were there. Yeah. One big thing is always land, uh, yeah. trying to find yep. places to hunt and stuff. Maybe somebody that's heading out there for the first time, Jeff, uh, what, do you know some people out there? You, or do you go knock on doors, or is there some? We have some people that had that have got property out there, so that was always nice. But I mean, there's uh, uh, it, it, interestingly enough, uh, I left uh, last Thursday, uh, and, and uh, the party that I was going to be meeting was delayed a little bit, so I stopped on the Minnesota side, uh, a couple miles uh, short of South Dakota, walked some public ground, got a couple of birds, and uh, uh, was really surprised to see the number of birds there on public ground. You know, you, you, we hear the reports that, uh, I mean, it's obviously not what it was in 2000, early 2000s, uh, but uh, uh, I think they've had some pretty good uh, uh, conditions, and I think they're, it's, it seems to be coming back. And then you're about a month from now going to head over to North Dakota. Yep. Um, I've heard varying reports about birds out there. I guess it all depends upon who you talk to. And out there, I heard it's a little dry, too. You know, I did, too, as well. But uh, interestingly enough, we go out to the Mott uh, area. The, the reports haven't been uh, good from out in that area. But I talked to uh, some hunters. In fact, the ones I hunted with in South Dakota that were in uh, central and central western North Dakota who had uh, not seen birds traditionally in that area over the past couple of years, and they did very well. Hmm. Uh, so um, I, I think there's reason for optimism. So, we'll... You know, it's kind of like the grouse thing last year. I mean, the, the drumming count was way up, and then the hunters were way disappointed. Yeah. And this year, so far, we've talked, we'll talk a little bit later on with Matt, but uh, grouse drumming counts were down this year, and I've talked to some hunters that have had more success than they did last year. Yeah. So I guess it all depends. That's why they call it hunting. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah. Jeff Hilborn, who's a contributor here to Brainerd Outdoors. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Mooney. All right. When we come back, we'll talk a little more fall fishing with Mandy Urich when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And back in studio with us, uh, we have not talked to Mandy in a while, but Mandy Urich is back with us. And She's been very busy, like many of us here. It's fall, Mandy, so I mean, there's we've got fishing, we've got hunting, and that's kind of a lot of, the, we're going to talk about all that with you this week. Uh, first of all, welcome back. It's great to see it. Well, I, 
It's always good to see you. I wish you looked a little <laughs> bit better, you know, minus the sling, the, the bruises right. and, and everything else. But it's good to be back in the studio. Yeah, I got, for those that don't know, I got into a little tussle with a ladder in the ladder one. No, it was just a home improvement project that went awry. But um, anyway, we got a lot of stuff to talk to you about. I, I guess we'll start off talking fishing because there there are some people that still want to do some fall fishing out there, Mandy. But we're getting to that point almost to, I want to say, 11th hour. It is. It, the the wind is what's killing us right now. The temps weren't that bad, but our winds, when they're 20 plus miles an hour consistently, you know, with gusts over 30, it makes it miserable and to the point of almost unfishable, unsafe. Absolutely. Just for the, the simple fact where you're, you're crashing waves, if you were to have an accident and you go in the water, that water temp's super cold. And yeah, it's how much do you really love fishing? Right. And the, the sad part of it is we really never got a decent fall in some of those decent days to do some of that fall fishing. No, we didn't. We literally had 80-degree weather, and three days later, the temp dropped to 40, and the wind picked up, and it's either been windy or pouring rain ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the places that people like to hit this time of year, I, I know you and I are big fans of fishing in the river and such, that's a little tricky right now. It is. We keep getting this rain. So obviously with the rain, uh, it increases the flow rate and then it makes it super turbid, which I don't care even when it's super warm out, doesn't make for good conditions. And right now really doesn't make for good conditions. Uh, The water temp actually, too, is exceptionally cold uh, on the crowing and the Mississippi right now. So if we could just get a week, a week of no rain, light, nice light winds, and fishing should be phenomenal, especially on the river. And one of the, one of the reasons, I think, is it that people like to fish the river in the fall is the fact that it doesn't turn over like the lakes. Is that is that kind of the case? I, I, I think so. It, you know, it, for us here, we are so spoiled with having Rice Lake right there, part of the Mississippi, where it's actually a, a wintering hole for the smallmouth population, a lot of the walleye, even some of the northern pike and muskie. So those fish become, in numbers, become so condensed right there in the lake itself, you don't really got to travel upriver to get anywhere like we do normally in the summertime. So and maybe that takes us to our next thing. Um, I wanted to talk to you about how anglers that do want to go out and fish some of these lakes that have turned over already, and we're getting into that late part of the fall, what are some tactics and some things that they may want to do to help them be successful? Start with, okay, yeah, I'm almost positive all of our lakes have turned over Mm -hmm. right now. It's a pretty good inclination. Um, Normally the clear lakes will get turbid. Uh, You'll see clumps of of veg floating on the top, and sometimes they'll even have kind of a, a sulfur smell to them. Um, when they do turn over and they're still in that turbid state, stay shallow. So if you're on a lake that it is currently still turbid and everybody says, oh, one to two days and it'll get back to normal. That absolutely is a falsity. Depending on that lake's original clarity, its depth and its size, technically uh, turnover continues as long as that water temp continues to drop, which is, okay, what does that mean? So they say, oh, Lake turnover happens at 58 degrees. Well, technically, the water is going to continue to cool until it hits 39 degrees, right? Because that's the point where we start getting ice and then we we get that little magical scenario there. So if the water is still in 44 degrees, it still is going to continue to drop if we have winds and weather like we are currently having. You know, it's not as stable. So uh, as they continue to drop on those when the lakes are turbid or if they were originally turbid and are going to stay turbid, fish shallow, stay shallow, stay on structure. The fish can't see through the turbid waters to, to feed and forage in the deeper deeper waters. So shorelines, anywhere where there's breaks um, or any kind of good structure is a good way to go. 
clear lakes that have turned over that have went back clear, that this is the one where it gets tricky because remember when the lake turns over, that means that the oxygen level has stratified from the top to the bottom. So we're previously in the summertime where we had those lower, deeper uh, depths where the, the oxygen levels were low, which was pushing those fish into the shallower. That no longer is true. That's why we're pulling walleyes out of 50 plus feet of water right now, you know. Um, that it, it does get tricky. What I've been seeing... Um, I've, I've caught fish in four feet of water and I've caught fish in 48 feet of water. You really just, you, you got to use your electronics at this time of year on those clear bodies of water. Um, and really it not, don't even worry about the bigger fish. Um, if you can find those bait pods right now in the deeper water, you're going to be good. Uh, predominant, like if the wind's blowing out of the North, those shorelines that are getting pounded, I know it's, it stinks. It's not very comfortable to sit and have the wind blowing on you and the waves pounding your boat, but those are where those fish are going to be. Or they're going to be up shallow where there still is any kind of remaining veg. And you've got, we were talking off air, you've got one more tournament left this year. Is that a lot of the stuff you just talked about is what's going to play in for you? For me, this isn't going to be a multi-species. It's straight up going to be a bass tournament. And it's going to be a fairly shallow bite is what I'm guessing. So uh, in the morning when the water temps are still cold, going off those steep breaks that are directly adjacent to shallow flats is going to be my key. And finding any kind, any kind of veg or wood, rock, or maybe even docks as the day progresses and the water warms up is going to be my tactic with uh, throwing a swim jig really slow, throwing a chatterbait really slow, uh, and probably throwing maybe even a, a, a paddle tail or a, a really large spinnerbait there again, really slow. <laughs> How tricky is it bass fishing this time of year? Because for me anyway, maybe I'm way off base on this, but it seems like you know, bass fishing is great when it's warm and it's hot and it's muggy. Um, now we're, I mean, we're 40 degree days and, and 22 degree nights and stuff. What does that do to bass? Because obviously when we talk walleyes and, and northern and musky, when you have a drastic drop like that, it really affects them. Does it do the same thing for bass? Yeah, it, it does. You know, we always see that that first drop of the year is kind of the the giant red light neon sign that tells all the fish, hey, it's time to turn the feed bag on and, you know, get munching to put on, you know, all the calories you can before winter comes. Same thing with bass, but we've we've progressed now later into the season where their metabolism, you know, they're trying to gorge themselves to put on as much weight as they can. Remember, they don't want to expend that energy. And the, the colder the water, the slower their metabolism is. So it, it, it's, it's a tough. It can be a really tough bite, you know, and figuring out what they want. Do they want a horizontal presentation like that chatter bait going across or do they want a jig that's on the bottom? Good inclination. This is totally cheating. But the first couple of fish that you get in the boat, really, pay, especially for bass, make sure you look around their mouths. If their mouths are really beaten up, um, red or maybe torn, that's a good inclination that they're still they're gorging themselves on crayfish and bottom crustaceans. And then that throwing a jig or a tube or something, that would be a good inclination to go that way. If you're catching them, though, and they're fairly clean, um, and you get them on a swim bait, then stay with that horizontal presentation. And fish slow. Fish very slow. (laughs) Fall fishing, it's basically, like like we said, we're kind of at the 11th hour on that. I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I'm I'm ready to go hunting. I'm I'm ready to drop the boat off over at Staple Sports in Lincoln. Say detailer, clean it, winterize it, wrapper, and store for me because it's time to hit the tree stand. Yeah, or get out and do a little grouse or woodcock hunting. 
Yes. Oh, I finally, <laughs> it's been so windy and it's hard because they've been beautiful days and I can't get on the boat. You know, I can't go fishing. So finally I said, heck with it. I went up to Emily up to the hunting camp and I got out. I was doing a little scouting for deer, grabbed the shotgun and the dog and, and went and I a fairly, I mean, good hunt. I have no reason besides my own missing that I did not have a limit of grouse for sure. But it was, <laughs> it was a really gorgeous day to be out there. And I, we were talking woodcock you know i always i hear the people up in the northeast talking about it and i didn't really pay attention i'm a grouse person walk the trails look for grouse you're good to go so i'm like well, i heard we've got some up there i'm gonna really look for them and if everybody's not familiar with these creepy little birds like they look like a <laughs> well they're a sand, in the sandpiper family so they've got this giant long beak which if you're a biologist it's really creepy because they've got nerves in the end of their beak that can actually detect earthworms in the soil Oh wow! So yeah, they're they're weird, but yeah, got got shot a couple of those, shot a couple of of grouse, and you know, got to do some scouting while I was at it for any activity that was going on. Trying to figure out where I'm going to move those deer stands to. Yeah, that's the next thing. I mean, gee, hard to believe. And was it next weekend? Is it deer opener next weekend? I mean, it's just how quickly this fall has gone by. A couple other things I did want to talk about, uh, Mandy, before we let you go. Uh, Lakeland Currents with you and Ray Gildow. Lakeland Public TV. You guys did some filming. You you and Nancy Kept actually got to spend some time together. We, we did. Uh, and everybody around here should recognize that last name, Kep, Kep Spates. Uh, her family has been, you know, in the industry for decades. And, uh, yeah, me and Nancy went on Lakeland Currents. It's airing at 8 p.m. on November 16th, and it's titled Women in the Outdoors. And basically we just talked about what got us into to hunting and fishing and how we continue to spread our passion to everybody else. And <laughs> Education, you know, outreach, things like that. And you two both, I mean, are, are just so heavily involved in the outdoors, especially getting women involved. It, it had to be nice to you guys to be actually kind of swap stories and swap some things a little bit. It was crazy because I, I knew her background because I've known her when I lived in Glenwood, but I... When she started talking about how she grew up, I'm sure the, the expression on my face is going to, be, going to be great because this little light bulb went off, and there's so many similarities. It's crazy. No wonder we ended up where we ended up, I mean, with the beginnings that we had. So that was really neat. Absolutely. And one last thing, uh, people want to check out the 2019 Lund Catalog. You'll be able to see Mandy, Nancy, others will be in that as well. Yeah. Uh, the Open up to page 8, 9, and 10, I believe it is. The center story in there is basically the the female pro staff for Lund, which is this is the first time that they've really highlighted uh, the female pro staff side and, and what we do. And it's myself, Nancy Kep, uh, Brenda Brenda Peach, and Katie Hansen that are featured in it. But that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's kind of like a life goal there. Check. <laughs> and you've been in all, I mean, lately, I mean, it's been magazine articles and everything else. I mean, you've kind of been all over the, the print publication lately. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, every year I do the Lund catalog and it's cool to see your picture in there, but to actually be one of those pro staffers that is being highlighted and honored. I mean, that's an international publication that goes to every Lund Boat dealership there is, is is pretty phenomenal. Well, and the work you put in. I mean, it's it's great that you're actually getting recognized because, I mean, you've been at this a while and, and you do a lot of things for women in the outdoors as well. So I think it's it's nice to be recognized. Well, much appreciated. Yeah, so there you go. And we're very lucky to have you on the show each and every week. That's uh, Mandy Urich. Mandy, want p- uh, people want more information on you. They can find it. Uh, we just mentioned all over print <laughs> publication. How else? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. They can Google us. And don't forget, we're on podcast. We are podcastable no matter where you listen to podcasts. So check that out as well. Mandy, I appreciate it. It's a busy time of the year, and uh, we'll be talking to you here real soon, okay? 
Brian, heal up. All right, buddy. I I will try. All right. Good to see you. All right. When we come back, we'll head up north to Bemidji. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service. We'll talk a little more fall fishing with Matt as well as ducks, geese, and grouse. When we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we head north for the Up North Report. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji joins us. And uh, as always, Matt usually keeps us updated on a variety of things. We'll talk a little fall fishing with Matt. We'll talk some duck hunting, maybe some goose hunting, uh, grouse. I mean, it, it's all pretty much happening, Matt. And I would, we just need Mother Nature to cooperate. Yeah, it's rainy, it's wet, it's cold. On the days it is not raining and wet and cold, it's windy. So it's been a really, really weird fall. It's actually, it's been good when I've, when I've been able to get out, but I've been trying to really cherry pick the days. And uh, and it's something you kind of need to do this year. I mean, you can tell yourself, well, any time in the woods is better than, than none. Well, a day like today, I would, uh, I'd rather be at work than, <laughs> than be in the woods. So it's it's kind of been a tough fall. There's not a lot of days that have been allotted for hunting or fishing it's just been been brutal weather so i think we'll start off matt if you want talking grouse hunting because uh you know we talked early in the season when things were pretty green in the woods now i want to say we've probably lost about 75 to 80 percent of our leaves uh that could change things hunters are able to get a little bit deeper in the woods now and maybe have a little more success yeah there's kind of a two a two-way street with with the whole leaves falling thing um when i when i hear people say you know it, it's it's really tough. There's too many leaves on the trees. It makes me think one of two things. Either they're out hunting and they're not getting shots off or their shots aren't connecting because of the leaves or or they're road hunters, which there's nothing against road hunting or trail hunting. It's perfectly fine. But, but those trail hunters, they're, you know, they're capitalizing on a lot of the, the younger, dumber birds that are, uh, you know, that are going to chill closer to the edges and, and aren't going to run off or fly as quickly. In my opinion, hunting can be really good. Like, if you're walking with a dog, you're going to put up really good numbers early in the year because you've got all those younger birds that don't, you know, that don't really understand the whole the whole escape route thing. But later in the year, it's easier for for a lot of people to see, and you know, the leaves are crunchy and they can hear birds rustling and stuff like that. But if you're working with a bird dog, it's loud and the birds are a lot more skittish and educated. So to me, it, to me, it actually gets a little bit tougher working with a dog later in the season and uh, a lot of your shots are are much farther but it it is a lot easier to see i mean <laughs> and your your face isn't getting scratched up nearly as much cuz you actually uh, you you can actually see where your head is going to land next after you go through the next pile of brush so um but it, it's been a good year um you know projections i think are pretty accurate this year um numbers are are decent i think i've only had one day where where I was out and didn't move a bird, and I don't think I hunted very very long that day. So most days I've been able to to hunt. I, I actually am putting some birds up and and able to harvest quite a few. So that's the only thing is you really have to adjust. Like if, if you only have a chance to go out on a on a day where it's sprinkling or wet or it has been raining, uh, chances are the birds are going to be in a little thicker cover, um, more piney areas, constant adjustments, um, and and constant looking at the weather, trying to figure out how you need to approach each cover. And you and your son Tate have been spent a little time in the duck blind, too. Looks like you've been having some success. Yeah, it's been a great waterfall year. Um, I don't know 
there's been a lot of theories, you know, the, the early cold fronts and all the northwest winds. Don't know if we got early pushes of birds, and that's what has made it so good. Um, I've heard theories about the Dakotas being so dry and us being so wet uh, that a lot of birds, you know, flew this direction instead of over the Dakotas. But then you talk to people who go to North Dakota duck hunting, and they're like, yeah, we limited out every day. We were back <laughs> back at the lodge by 9 a.m., you know. So there's no shortage of ducks in the Dakotas either. But uh, but we've had a really good season. I mean, from all the way from when you were up for Goose Fest, um, that that weekend was incredible, and then it continued right through. And every time we've been out has been just stellar. So uh, diver hunting has been amazing, and the puddle ducks have been shuffling through as well. So so really good, really good year. Is it me? I've been maybe it's just because of social media and stuff, Matt. I'm seeing a lot of duck hunters this year. It almost seems like more than normal. Have you been seeing that? I don't know if I'm seeing more duck hunters than normal, but I think you know with social media, you never want to look like a failure. So. <laughs> If you have a good day, you're you're more apt to post about it. So I think, and I think that's a result of Minnesota having a better waterfall push this year than most years. And uh, a lot of people are having really good success, and I think that's why there's a lot more a lot more posts being visible, and, and people are just seeing a lot more birds and having a lot more success. So. Have you had a chance to make it back to Middle River in that Thief River area to goose hunt, uh, Matt, since Goose Fest? I have not. Um, I. Well, I take that back. I was up there sharp tail hunting, but uh, not for waterfall. Um, I was up there with Project Upland uh, doing a short film, and we filmed sharp tail hunting for three days. And, of course, uh, a cameraman comes and flies in from the East Coast, and what happens? We get, like, four to six inches of snow. So <laughs> <laughs> so we walked around in, the, in, a, in a blizzard the first day, and then uh, bright sunshine, but very wet snow, heavy snow uh, the second day, and... And of course, it was the first heavy snowfall of the year, and uh, first kind of you know, really bad weather, and the birds just had absolutely no clue what was going on with their lives. Um, you know, they didn't know how to snow roost. They they didn't know where they should be, so they mostly were all standing in open fields out in the open, uh, completely flat terrain where you had no way to to sneak up on them. But we we were able to harvest enough birds. Um, by putting on a lot of boot miles with uh, a couple of good bird dogs, and uh, and we were able to get a show done. But but the numbers looked great. I mean, we saw saw hundreds and hundreds of sharp tail. So uh, so there's no shortage of them up there. It's just uh, access. Uh, we actually, for the first time I think ever that I've gone up there, we had one of our best shoots. Uh, one of our best walks was on a public piece. Um, but for the most part, it, it's all private land stuff. So. If you can get access to those birds, you can probably find them and shoot them, but uh, but otherwise it's, it's tough going. So. And one last thing, Matt, we're kind of, you know, we were talking earlier with Mandy in the show, we're kind of in the 11th hour of fall fishing. Um, up by you, I, I guess we'll start maybe talking muskies a little bit because there are a lot of muskie anglers out there right now. Are uh, you hearing anything on that front? Uh, muskie fishermen are really happy right now. <laughs> it sounds like the, the muskie fishing has been very good. And that's another thing on social media that I've been seeing is uh, every muskie fisherman I know is posting pictures of fish almost almost daily, if not if not daily. Um, the muskie fishermen are, are doing very well. And I've been dying to get out, but um, you know me, it's fall, and every chance I get, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the woods or the or the water. So um, so getting me in a fishing boat is a little is a little tough this time of year, but. 
everything is going bonkers. The last guide trip I did for crappies, we absolutely annihilated them. Um, and my boat still is out and ready just in case uh, I get one of those last minute calls or I get a chance to get out muskie fishing or something like that. But walleye fishermen are loving it. It's It's been great. Crappie fishermen are doing excellent. Uh, I'm seeing some absolutely uh, jaw-dropping smallmouth pictures right now from places like Mille Lacs and, uh, and the Park Rapids area. So uh, smallmouth fishing is good. It's just, I mean, it, it's fall fishing. <laughs> uh, most of the time you have the lake to yourself and, and you're going to do very, very well. So it's one of those times where if you want to fish, now is the time to do it. You know, one of the things our anglers here are dealing with is lake turnover, Matt. Uh, how, how do you deal with that up by you? It doesn't really play too much of a, a big factor because the fish slowly start to transition into those fall areas uh, pretty early. And when turnover happens, I guess it's it's almost seamless for us. You know, you, you get that thermocline set up real nice and and uh, you get the, the good the good deep water troll, trolling bite going uh, with lead core for walleyes and and uh, deep deep baits for with muskies, and then when it flips, I mean those those fish just slide off and and straight into that deeper water for for the walleye fishermen and and the musky fishermen. A lot of those fish um, they'll either stay out um, and still feed on ciscos and stuff like that, or they'll move up onto that shallow sand. So um, so it's kind of seamless as long as you know how to read it and and kind of know what they traditionally do. You should be fine. There you go. That's Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. You can check Matt out. NorthCountryGuides.com is the website. He's all over social media as well. I appreciate the info, buddy, and uh, we'll talk to you here real soon, okay? Sounds good. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on Beat 93.3 and another version of our hunter Hungry Hunter recipe here on the show. We bring in Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. And for those that maybe have some pheasant uh, in the freezer, and you're bringing back sriracha, Joel, for uh, we both know how much we both love that. So uh, honey sriracha pheasant this week. That's right. We're going to sweeten this one up a little bit with some honey. So we're going to take, uh, take some pheasant breasts, nice and cleaned up, whole ones. We're going to dredge them in some flour, uh, mix a little salt and pepper in there to season it up just a little bit. Flour both sides of it, and then we're going to go into a nice hot skillet um, with a little bit of butter in there. Fry them up both sides, make sure it's nice and browned, um, make sure you're not overcooking it. But just get it browned all cooked all the way through. If you have a thermometer, you know, stick a thermometer in there, bring it up to 145. After those are done, we can pull them off, set them aside. We can cover them with some foil or let them sit on the counter, just let them rest a little bit. And we'll make our sauce. So we're going to take a little sriracha, a little bit of honey, equal parts sriracha and honey, soy sauce, rice wine vinegar, and some fresh garlic. Whip that up real nicely. You can cook it down just a little bit. It'll thicken as you cook it. As soon as you get the uh, right consistency, pour it over top of your pheasant breast. Fantastic. And once again, you got grouse breast laying around, duck, uh, any of that stuff. Any, any kind of wild game bird, this is going to work great on top of there you go. And it's got sriracha in it, which we absolutely love. We love our sriracha. It's, yeah, it's our favorite condiment here on Brainerd Outdoors. Uh, if you want to give it a try, head to the website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipe tab. This one and a ton of others that Chef Joel's been nice enough to share with us are there for you to try. Sriracha Honey Pheasant, our Hungry Hunter segment for this week. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel.
Brian, thank you. And that will do it for this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and 5 a.m. Monday mornings right here on B93.3. If you want to listen to the show live and you're away from your radio out of town, you can go to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Just click on the Listen Live tab to stream it. You can also listen to it on demand at the website. And wherever you download podcasts, we are podcastable, iTunes, PodcastOne.com, and many, many more. We just ask you to give us a nice uh, rate and review. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Pro Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.